you've brought your Bibles, would you open them to Proverbs chapter 4. Man, this has been a good past few weeks. I have so enjoyed our study through the book of Proverbs that uh, Pastor Doug has been leading us through. If you have missed any of those messages, they are all online, archived. You can go back and watch them. And I would certainly encourage you to do just that because it has been just a wonderful series. And it's a series that we have titled, This is How We Family. And there's not a better book in the Bible to apply to the how we are supposed to do family than the book of Proverbs. And so we're continuing in that today in Proverbs chapter 4. Um, some of you probably are get on Facebook and you notice that uh, Brother Tommy, he kind of got inspired through the whole Proverbs thing. And, uh, and so he put a, there was a page on there where he was just asking the church family to respond with what is your favorite proverb? And a lot of you did, and it was really cool to kind of look and see uh, what proverb meant the most to you or what proverb sort of inspired you. Mine is found in Proverbs 27, verse 17, and, and it goes like this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I love that verse because it it brings into my image the idea of of like my grandfather with a file sharpening an axe. Now, if any of you have ever been told, go out and chop wood or go out and split wood, you know that essential to success in that endeavor means having a a sharp axe. Now, if you don't have any axe at all, you don't even try, or you're gonna go buy a new axe. But if you have an axe, and it's not sharp, you're going to get out there and just flail around and wear yourself out, and you're still not going to have any firewood uh, to get because if it's not a sharp axe, it can't do the job. And so as I was thinking about that, I realized the whole book of Proverbs is about 2717, how to sharpen the iron of our family, how to steal our lives and, and hone our families to be able to go out into the world, into a world that is tainted and stained by sin, in a world that can only right now be described as total chaos, how we send our kids and our grandkids and our own families out into that world and ever hope they're going to have any chance at success in a spiritual success is found in this book of Proverbs. And we're going to look at this particular chapter four, beginning in verse 20, because Along our line of this is how we family, today what we're going to look at is this is how we sharpen the axe in our family. This is how we make sure our generation, the next generation, and the next generation are ready for the trials that come their way. Open your Bibles and read with me if you would, beginning in uh, verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 4, and listen to the word of the Lord. He says, my son... Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. And they are health 
to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left, but turn your foot from evil. Let's pray. Father, what wonderful words, what encouraging words we find here in our scripture passage today. Lord, many of us are struggling. Many of us are, are seeing our world and maybe even our homes disintegrate around us. But in here, there is promise. And I pray, Father, that you will speak directly into our lives today that if there are any out there struggling with guilt with anxiety with fear with with pain with a family that's that's dysfunctional lord that today you will use your word to speak into that heart into that family and bring healing that only jesus christ can bring we praise you for this word and guide us as our we study it now in jesus name amen Amen. All right. I had to go to the doctor the other day, and that is probably one of my least favorite things to do. The dentist is a little bit above the doctor. That's about the only thing I really don't like to do, so I don't do it very often. I try to find all kinds of excuses for why I shouldn't go in, but finally it got to the point I had to go get a checkup. And so since I don't go very often, I figure I better get my money's worth out of this. So I sit down and make a list of every possible thing that might be wrong with me so I can throw it all out there, one visit, get the whole thing fixed at one time. So I went in, and I actually on my phone had made myself a checklist of all the things to tell the doctor. So I said, okay, I've kind of been kind of having this. I've been feeling this. One time this happened. About a month ago, I went through this. And I just went through the whole list. And he dutifully listened to me, paid attention, did the whole thing that doctors know how to do. He goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, uh-huh. And then he puts it all in his computer. And he looks at me and he said, Randy, he said, I've got good news. I, I've got a single prescription that can take care of everything. I thought, this is wonderful. One pill is going to fix it all? And he said, yeah, the best thing of it is, it's not even a pill. It's just a single thing that you have to do. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, drink water. Seriously. He said, drink more water. He said, literally, everything you've told me you've been experiencing or you've been feeling or everything that seems to be wrong with you right now is a direct result of not drinking enough water. And I thought, praise the Lord. This is great. I don't have to change anything in my life. And no, now, wait, 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 he said. Remember, I said, drink more water. And I thought, well, I drink lots of liquids. No, no, no. Not liquids, water. Because I drink a lot of water, it just happens to have coffee in it when I drink it. And he didn't say, drink more water infused with sweet tea. Or drink more water carbonated and colored and flavored to taste like Dr. Pepper. That wasn't at all in the prescription. It was drink more 
Water. Why? Because water has these chemical properties, a single oxygen, two hydrogens, and when it gets into your body, it does what water was designed to do. It hydrates you. It, 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 it fills all of those needs your body has for oxygen and hydrogen, and it's a magnificent little clear substance. Now, I want you to listen to these words we just got through reading. God's word tells us, he says, my son, and remember what the purpose of this was. He said, my son, do this, do this, do this, do this, because this is the spring of life. This is health to those who hear it. But what did he say? He said, give attention to my words. He said, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because they are life to those who find them. They are health to your body. You see, this proverb teaches us that the single most effective and heroic thing you and I as parents or grandparents or spouses or even individuals can do to ensure that our generation and the next generation have those sharpened axes ready to cut through the chaos of the world is to inundate our homes and our lives and our hearts and our thoughts with God's pure word. Isn't that wonderful? There aren't a lot of hoops to jump through. There aren't a lot of checklists to mark off. This is the single most effective way to solve or at least approach the problems in your life is to just fill your heart and your home with God's Word. But I want you to listen to what he says, though, about that. He says, it's my Word and my instruction, my wisdom, my teachings. Now, I don't want to make anybody mad here, and I don't want you to walk away from here thinking, boy, Brother Randy sure doesn't think much of Christian speakers or Christian music. No, I do. I think a lot of it. But let me tell you what I'm about. Hear hear what I'm saying and the spirit of what I'm saying, okay? You can listen to a thousand sermons. Mine, Doug's, anybody else's, I, I, Charles Stanley, any of them, you can listen to them, a thousand sermons. You can, you can read hundreds of devotional books. You can listen to unlimited Christian music programming. And you can attend seminars out the wazoo. None of them are a substitute for God's Word. They are good words. They are good songs. It is good teaching. It is wonderful and it is fulfilling, but it is not a substitute for the pure Word of God. Never let that take the place of you spending time in God's Word, of you memorizing God's Word, of you teaching God's Word to your family and letting your children and your grandchildren hear God's word come out of your mouth. The rest of that is good, but it is no substitute for the purity of what we hold in this book, which are the very words of God. So listen to how, listen to how that's supposed to work by, by looking at these verbs that go along with it. He said, my son, give attention to my words. Now, what does that mean? It means invest time in this book. 
It means there is no substitute for getting into God's Word, investing time in God's Word, and making sure that you are studying God's Word. The other thing he says is, incline your ear. What does that mean? It means block out the noise that tries to keep you from hearing what God is trying to say. It means choosing, okay? Listen to me, family, fathers, mothers, grandchildren, or grandparents of grandchildren. Choose what you will listen to. Choose who has your ear. Choose who you are paying attention to and make it God's Word, not people who talk about God's Word. It is not a substitute. What else does he say? He says, do not let it depart from, your, uh, from before you. That means focus your attention on what God's Word has to say. You know, Orthodox Jews they will take fragments of parchment with God's Word on it, put it in little boxes, and they will tie them. They're called phylacteries, and they will tie them around their hands and tie them in the middle of their forehead. The idea being that they are literally keeping God's Word before their eyes. Great principle, wrong practice. But what we are saying is we are to make certain that we keep the Word of God as that center pole around which we build our lives, around which we make our decisions, around which we raise our families. There can only be one axis on the wheel. There can only be one one center to the circle, and it has to be the Word of God in your family. So do not let it fall. And lastly, he says, the last one he says uh, that we're supposed to do there is to buy, is to keep that in the midst of your heart. What does that mean? It means that this only works if you trust the word giver and trust the word given. Okay? Hear what I'm saying. This is God's word. But if you have no relationship with the author of this word, if you are trying to live a worldly life under godly principles, it will never happen. You will never glean what brings life and hope out of this until you are in a relationship with the author of this book, with Jesus Christ. So I want you to hear what I'm saying. This has got wonderful wisdom in it. But it can only be applied when you have been forgiven and cleansed and born again through faith in Jesus Christ. God's grace makes God's word applicable to God's children. And so you experience that grace. So let me tell you what you need to do. If you are listening to me, whether online or here, and you think, I would love to live a life of godly principles. Let me tell you what you have to do. First, you have to do is trust the God of godly principles. So I'm going to challenge you. Look in your heart, look in your life, and ask yourself this question. Have I ever intentionally given my life to Jesus Christ? If I were to die today, do I know for sure I would go to heaven? If either of those answers is a no or I'm not sure, then today you can be saved. Today you can enter into the relationship that God wants to have with you. And then God's word will begin to make sense to you. So trust Christ today. Now, the second point 
that, that Solomon tried to make to us through this book of wisdom is that it's one thing to fill our hearts, to fill our homes, to maybe even fill our, our cars and our, and our refrigerators with magnets that have God's Word on it. That's one thing. But the second most critical and essential act for, for keeping the axe sharp is that steadfast resolve to face life, to engage life on scriptural principles. It is one thing to have an axe, it's another thing to swing it. It's one thing to know God's Word. It's another thing to make the conscious choice to live it out every day, every choice, every decision. We don't get to choose and say, these decisions I will do by God's Word. These decisions I will do based on the wisdom and counsel of men. This I will live for God. This I live for me. This I base on this truth. This I base on another truth. It doesn't work, and it doesn't work because there is no other truth. Jesus told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. This Word of God is the only truth out there, but it's also the only truth you need. It has for its fruit, according to what we just read, life and health and promise for us. So look at how we're supposed to actually do that. How do we actually take this word and engage the chaos of life with it. Well, Solomon employs a metaphor of, of our physical body as he, as he teaches us how to do that. And the first one he tells us to do is right here in, uh, in verse 23 when he says, watch over your heart with all diligence. Now, what does that mean? That word watch, that verb there to watch your heart, to some of your translations say guard your heart. The noun, ver- the noun form of that is actually the word watchtower. It's a watchtower. And you may remember from your history or, uh, that, uh, that when the crops were about ripe, when the fields had been planted, they'd, they'd come forth, the heads were ready, almost ready to harvest, the crop was just ready to go out and pick, the farmer the, would, would build a watchtower in the middle of his field and then day and night he would keep a servant on the top of that watchtower to watch and make sure that nobody crept in to try to steal away the harvest or to try to set fire to the fields. In other words, this idea of guarding your heart, watching God's Word over your heart means to keep other things from encroaching into your life and stealing away that steadfast flow of life that's supposed to come out of our heart. Listen, Deuteronomy 6, what does it tell us? That the, what's the great commandment? We are to love the Lord our God with what? All our heart, strength, and so we're to love the Lord our God with all your heart. That doesn't mean some of your heart. It doesn't mean a little bit of your heart. When you stood before your wife or your husband and you shared vows, you didn't say, I, with this ring I thee wed, and I promise to kind of love you every once in a while with a little bit of my heart till death do us part. No. You said, I choose you, and you will be my love my, my, my earthly love from now on. We love the Lord with all of our heart. 
But we have to choose that we let no other loves in. We have to watch that no other treasures become more valuable than him. Remember, Jesus taught us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we don't treasure God's word, something else will take our place, and that's where our heart will be. We have to guard against other gospels. You may remember when Paul wrote the Galatians, he said, I'm surprised, I'm amazed at how quickly you followed after another gospel, which really isn't another, because there isn't another. In fact, he went on to say, if I or an angel from heaven were to come down and teach you something other than what you have been taught in Christ Jesus, don't believe it. We guard our hearts, with, and we, the way we do that is by filling that heart with the Word of God so we recognize an enemy when it tries to encroach. The next example he gives us, he tells us that we are to let no deceitful thing come out of our mouth. Keep your mouth away from deceit. See, put devious speech far from you. Why? Because our tongues can be instruments of blessing or they can be instruments of pain. What we say, how we say it, and when and why we say it either bless or they injure other people. Listen to what Scripture tells us. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue in Proverbs 18. Proverbs 10, in a multitude of words, sin is never lacking. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt or unwholesome thing come out of your mouth, but only words that are edifying and helping us reach Christ's likeness. The tongue is a very powerful thing, and the only way it can be tamed and drawn and kept in check is when it speaks from an overflow of a heart filled with God's Word. You will speak what fills your heart. If it's not God's Word, it's going to be the, the politics, the, the anger, the bitterness, the lies of this world. We've, we guard our tongue and guard the tongues of the generations to come by teaching them and filling them with God's Word. The next thing he says is, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed. Anybody in here ever tried to teach your son or your daughter how to hit a ball? T-ball, any ball. What's the first rule of batting? Keep your eye on the ball. Why is that? You can't hit what you're not looking at. You might get lucky, but for the most part, you can't hit if you're not looking at what you're trying to hit. And what God is trying to tell us here is that that we are to keep our eyes on Him all the time. Remember, we're in this mess. We're in this fallen, sinful world because Scripture tells us Eve stared at what she wasn't, what was forbidden. She put her gaze on a fruit that she was told she couldn't have. She began to contemplate how good it looked. And that's why we're here today trying to figure out how do we live in this stained and pathetic world that we've inherited. And it's all because someone at some point refused to keep their eye on God and only on his word. We do this, we study this, we inundate and fill our homes with God's word so that our children and their children can keep their eyes fixed 
on Jesus Christ. The last thing he says in here, or next to the last one, he says is to watch the path of your feet. What is, what's one of the first psalms you ever memorized? Or, or the first Amy Grant song you ever sang? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is a lamp and what is a light? God's word. That is a promise of scripture. Don't ever go through life Christian with this idea of I just don't know what to do. If you don't know what to do, it's because you're looking in the wrong place for direction. God's word promises that he will be truth. He will be a lamp. He will be light. He will illuminate the path he wants you on. Why? Because he created you to walk that path. God's not trying to hide the path from you. He wants you to find it. He created you for that kind of life. He he gave you children. The Bible says children are a gift from the Lord so that you can teach them how to walk that path. But you can only do that when you are committed and you are intentional about making this your guide and your counsel. And that's the last point that we're going to close with. He says, and do not turn to the right nor to the left, but do turn your foot from evil. Now, actually, in the Hebrew, this is a a continuation of that that body metaphor, because what we translate do not turn to the right or the left is literally in Hebrew, do not extend your hand out to the right or to the left, but do turn your foot away from evil. Now, how are you going to know what's evil from this? There's no other way. There's no other way. We already know that the world is going to call good evil and evil good. That's been told us in this word. We see it every day in the news and on the newspapers. You will never out there learn how to discern good from evil. You're only going to learn it here. Your children will only learn it here. Your grandchildren will only know it if it's taught to them here. Many of you know my daughter, A.J., um, she amazes me. She was, uh, she was incredible as a kid. She's even more incredible as a mom. And uh, uh, she has seven children. Praise the Lord. It means I have seven grandkids over there. I've got 13 in total, but there are seven now. Those seven are hers. And at one point, she had seven of them nine years old and younger. And so whenever they went to Walmart or the grocery store or even came to church and they would park their vehicle and doors would swing open everywhere and kids would come pouring out of every door. And, but she had a system and she would tell the children, they would stop. She'd say, all right, you may unbuckle, get out, but as soon as your foot touches pavement, your hand has to stay touching the car. Okay. And so that's what they would do. They had doors would fly open, kids would jump out, but as soon as they landed, they turned, and it was one hand on the car until, until their mom was ready to gather them up, get them in line safely, and help them get across the parking lot. So, open the door. Get out into life, but keep your hand on God's Word. It is the it is the wellspring of life. It is the hope of 
abundant joy. It is health in a sick world. It is God's Word, but it only brings fruit and benefit when we keep hold of it. Not physically, when we live it, when we apply it, when we meet life head on on scriptural terms. That's how the axe stays sharp. That's how that we, we chop through the muck of this world is by trusting God's word. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And uh, there's something I need to explain, what I explained a while ago, and we're going to explain it again. God's word will only make sense to you when you're in a relationship with God. If you aren't in the relationship with Jesus Christ, you can read these words, but they, they won't make sense. They won't apply. They, you won't know what to do with them because you have to know the author to understand the intent. And so I want to invite you today, if you're here with us in, in physically here at the church, or if you're with us online, wherever you are, let me invite you to ask yourself those questions again. Have I ever given my life to Christ? Made a commitment to follow Him? And if so, am I living up to that? Would I honestly say His Word is the fruit of the food that fuels me. His word is what, I, what I'm raising my children to understand, respect, and honor. Is his word the guiding principle for all of my decisions in life? But if you can't answer that question, yes, or maybe the other question, if I were to die today, do I know where I would spend eternity? If you don't know you're going to heaven, then today that question can be solved. It can be resolved. You can, you can get on your knees right now and give your heart to Jesus Christ if you're in your home or you can do it right here and you never have to have that doubt again because God's Word promises Whosoever will come unto me shall be saved. Whosoever will call upon the name of Jesus Christ will know salvation. That's a promise of God's word, and it's true, and you can count on it. So in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, but I want to ask you, if you've got a decision you need to make, if God's spoken to your heart, then as soon as we get through praying, I'm going to ask you to come out and just walk right down this aisle And Brother Ruffin and Miss Melissa are going to be right outside door two there. They would love to talk with you about whatever God's put on your heart. They they are two of the wisest people I know, and I hope that you'll take advantage of that right now. If you're at home, if you're at home and God is stirring in your heart, maybe a desire to prepare your family, your kids, this next generation, yourself for for a life that seems to just kick you in the teeth all the time, here's what I'd like you to do. You can call our prayer number. It's 405-682-5678. Pretty easy. 405-682-5678. And there is somebody that will answer that phone and they will talk with you. They will pray with you. They will help you find the peace that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Uh, It's been a great morning 
Uh, It's always a great morning when we get to study God's Word. We're going to pray and be dismissed. Let me remind you that uh, you can go out any door you want right now because this is the last service of the morning. But 5 o'clock, we're going to be having our online service again. We're going to be back in God's Word at 5 o'clock. So let me invite you to tune in on Facebook Live or on on the the SHBC OKC app or at myshbc.com and worship with us tonight at 5 o'clock. Aren't you glad you got out and came today? Father, we are grateful. Grateful for truth. Grateful for an anchor in life's storms. We are thrilled that you give us such clear teaching and that you, you love us even when we are quite often unlovely. So Father, thank you for that love. Thank you for your truth. Father, I pray that... Uh, If there's anything in us that we need to get right with you, that right now we would do that. Through your Spirit, show us if there's anything that we need to confess, anything that we need to share with you, and give us the courage to do that. Father, we pray for our world. We pray for our children and our grandchildren. And pray, God, that they will be equipped, able, ready soldiers of the cross in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.